This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. Check out and support us on Patreon for tons of content, including a bonus episode for each episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share all sorts of nerdy stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, at Nerd Podcast Radio, and on Twitter, at Nerdcast Radio. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. Reviews are important as they help our podcast grow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Hey everybody, it's on Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, finally back, Special Mikey, as long as me is Super Vegan Brian. Hello, nurse. And David. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You killed me, Mikey. That was pretty good. Theobald the third. That's the, that's the one. That was way yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not the second. He's not the fourth. He's the third. And along today with us is fantasy cartographer Anna Meyer. Hi. Hello, everybody. For the people who don't know you, Anna, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Well, I do maps. That's uh, fantasy maps. I map uh, campaign settings, um, uh, Midgard, Greyhawk, and and others. So that's that's what I normally do. Well, we're glad you're here today, Anna, because you're one of our favorite guests to have on. You're so much fun to talk to, especially considering what are we going to be talking about today, Brian? Well, we're going to be talking about the second edition of the Pathfinder role-playing game. Um, you know, like our, we're going to talk about what we like about the first edition game, what we expect to be, what we don't like about it. And then we're going to talk about what they actually changed in the second edition game. And... Um, things we'd like to see in the future. It's a discussion we've been waiting to do for a really long time, but first. But first, got to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, and Brian, how we do we play that? Well, What's Nerdy With You is where the three of the three of us, the all of us share the nerdiest thing we've done the last few weeks, and then at the end, we vote we, using the patented Mike Myler's widget system, where we all get widgets and throw them at each other until one of them sticks. Fair though, the Anna's going to win edition. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I haven't done anything, but I have something uh-huh. that I'm going to uh-huh. do. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure that actually I'm, I'm allowed to use it. But we'll see. I'll try. Yeah, you say that now, but that, that's <laughs> kind of the way it always works when you're on. Anna, <laughs> we all share. I played a video game, and then Anna says I rode on a boat with Elon Musk. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then we went downstairs of that boat, and Chris Perkins ran a six-hour game. <laughs> And we're just like, hey, that was our episode, everybody. Signing off. Anna, what was nerdy with you? Well, I haven't done anything nerdy except working and and having tooth problems and and stuff like that. So I haven't done anything nerdy. But something nerdy will happen to me that I found out and got confirmed a few days ago. And that's that I've been invited to run games at the next D&D in a castle next year in England. Whoa, that's awesome. Yep. What? Oh, wow, that's so cool. So I'm not really sure it counts because it's nothing that I've done yet, but it's something that I will that 
been confirmed that I will co- accomplish, so to speak. Yeah, oh. We'll just we'll put the widgets on hold. We'll, we'll put them in I, a little box, I, and then whenever count, that actually happens, <laughs> I count the conversation you had with them that they invited you to run a D and D game in a castle as yep. a nerdy thing. Damn, that's nerdy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to so sign nerdy. a contract and all that, so now it's firm, so to speak. So, yeah. Can you explain what D and D in a castle is? D&D in a Castle is um, a, a couple that normally runs a travel agency and then they book events and stuff. They want, and they play in D&D. They wanted to, to um, see that maybe we can arrange a travel to go somewhere really cool, fantasy-like, like a castle or something, and play D&D for a week and invite guests to, to, to come and play. And, and so they started in France, I think, three, three years ago. And and it was a huge success, and then been doing it ever since in France and England and maybe a few other places too. And this year they had it like a couple of weeks ago in England, and now they're going to have it next year in England too, in, in a place called Lumley Castle. It's a Renaissance castle up in near Newcastle in England, and and I think it, the events goes on for about ten days, and I will be there for five, I think. So they have different guests coming in, living at the castle, and run games. And then they invite DMs to to come and run games for four days in four days in a row in a castle. I was looking at the rates of what it costs to go and play, and it's like it's, it's worth saving up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's. I think it's hideously expensive, but it's it's that kind of high style really cool event with everything included food lodging and all that so to speak yeah i i would compare it to going on a really fancy cruise yes exactly but with the purpose of playing D and hang out with other people that love to to play role-playing games one of the things that's cool about it is since it's a travel agency that runs it they have packages that include flights mm-hmm. yep so that's um impressive <laughs> That's very impressive. It's Thank really you. cool. Yeah, I never thought that when I started playing role-playing game that someone actually paid me to, to go to England and play D&D in a castle. I never thought that would happen. <laughs> Anybody who expects that to happen, man, what kind of life they leading? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's impressive. Just so everybody knows, by the time I'm in my 30s, I'm going to be running a totally awesome D&D game in a castle. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's pretty cool. But... uh David, I gotta ask you, what's nerdy with you? Well, I mean, I've got nothing even hold a candle to that, but uh, I recently started playing in like my fourth campaign weekly now, almost. <laughs> we're doing fifth ed. We're playing over Discord using Roll Twenty. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and then I've got my other weekly game. I'm currently running a group through Dragon, uh, through uh, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist. On their way to the to the uh, the dungeon of the Mad Mage, and then yeah, it's uh, I've I don't have as much free time as I used to because I'm playing a lot of role playing games in between. It's uh it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. It's amazing. Brian, how about you? What what was nerdy with you these last couple of weeks? What was nerdy with me is at work. I um we had a fire drill. And I went outside and got kind of ambushed by three employees that were like, install Harry Potter Wizards Unite on your phone so you can play it with us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Well, we're going to give you a swirly because he works at us. And just to, just to give you an idea, these aren't all employees around my age. Like one of them is much older than me. They're, they're, one of them's younger than me. One of them's probably the same. And it it really caught me off guard that they're like, we have to play this game at work. <laughs> wow. Um, we I figured you're the IT guy. You'll play. Yeah, we end up staying late after work for like a half hour, walking around the parking lot, catching wizarding stuff. It was fun. It's a, it's a neat game. I I it. Um, since I've had it, I've walked several miles just playing it. I I never really got into Pokemon Go. I think it's because it has more of an RPG feel where you level up and get skills and improve your skills. And you can go to the Wizard Fortresses and go into the dungeons. Ooh. And there's like a true combat system in the game for like fighting. And if you have friends, you can go to the Wizard Fortresses, gather up with your friends in a dungeon and fight monsters together. Oh, wow. And most of the monsters are like dark wizards, dementors, um, fairy monsters that have joined the dark side, werewolves, stuff like that. Okay, yeah, see, I've been I've been on the fence about getting that. So, well, it's free. This, this is... It's it's free, and it's 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 very similar to Pokemon Go, and it's it's very fun and easy to play. Um, if you do play it, I recommend though, um, watch your spell energy. Try to keep it as high as possible, and stop playing before you run out. Um, because the only way to get spell energy is to go to an inn. And unless you live next to one, it's kind of a pain to go to the inn to regenerate your spell energy. I gotta, I gotta walk a half a mile to go to the closest inn and to, and you get like three or four and they recharge every five minutes. Well, when I walk a half a mile, there's a cluster of inns all like a block away from each other. So if I go to the first inn, and then walk to the other three. By the time I've gone to the third end, the first end has regenerated so I can use it again. So I can walk back and then just go back and forth along the loop. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. So, Mikey, what's nerdy with you this week, this past few weeks? Well, for me, I want to say one of the nerdiest things I've been doing is uh, actually the last couple of days, I've been having, I've been talking over the Facebook Messenger with, Anthony and we've been talking because he's actually starting to think about uh, DMing game uh, a game because he has a character idea that he's turning into a big bo- into a bad big bad boss and it's been just turned into a uh, uh, basically DMs talking back and forth uh, about our our campaigns that we're running and what our plans are and how we're running if running things so just like a little conversation piece it's actually been really nice to talk about my campaigns with somebody that's not in my group. Because I can tell them what I want to do to these these murder hobos, yeah. So I, it's nothing compared to you guys, but it's been nice. Also, I've been talking have... back to you this whole time. I'm freaking muted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, hey, Mikey, I'm gonna have to call you sometime and do the same thing. Yeah, because I'm I, having. Oh, go ahead. I'm I'm having um the same thing where it's like everyone I know is in my group. So it's like, I try to find people to talk to, to talk about what I'm doing. Um, but you haven't shared a nerdy thing where it's just a conversation with a friend in a while. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been doing other things, but like, uh, me and Anthony just been talking over messenger about how he wants to run his thing and how he's getting his stuff set up and his big, the way he's setting up for his big bad is just amazing. It makes me want to get, get roll 20 and totally join in this game when he actually gets it together. Because, like his big bad and everything is awesome. I just got to promise not to meta game. <laughs> uh, one of the things that um, I want to point out to everyone is Mikey should get some bonus points um, 
when you consider voting because he's he's now accomplishing nerdy things with four children in his house rather than just one. <laughs> yeah, I have I, I now have four children under the age of six in my home. So my my nerdy things are coming with true passion and dedication. <laughs> Congratulations on finalizing your adoption, by the way, that we've been waiting for a oh, long time. And, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. We have them in the house, and then um, the final paperwork and stuff will probably happen after the first, uh, sometime after the first of the year, because there's, there's still a few more hoops to go through. But we got them. We've been waiting to get them for a while. So um, it's time to vote. Um, there are four of us, so there are five widgets to go around. Anna, where would you like to put your widgets and why? Uh, let's see. I I I want. I don't want to. I can't give many to myself because it's not something I've actually done yet. So so. But I think that that Brian yours and 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 Michael both both yours. Uh, Brian yours is awesome. Simple because I think it's such a nerdy thing, and I think it's also something in the future that you go around and and you play kind of augmented reality games we actually have to go around in the world to do things i think that's a it's a brilliant idea and i think it's something that tells a lot about the future but also i think that michael i think you the um, the the idea of having um uh, have to share your 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 campaign with others i think it's it's and and to to reach out to others in order to to enhance your own stuff and make it better i think those are, are really really cool so i think I'll, I'll give myself one point and i will give uh, michael and and brian two points each very well, nice you. very nice thank you very much and what about you david you got five uh i've got to give all five to anna that's fucking epic <laughs> uh, I agree. That is pretty beast. Uh, Brian, how about you? I am going to give um, three to David. Ooh. Because I know how hard it is to run so much stuff and play in so much stuff. So, um, at, And uh, also, you know, David is the biggest nerd I know. So oh, he, uh, he thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And um, I agree with Anna. Anna shouldn't count. So I'm going to give Anna my negative widget. For the first time. <laughs> See? Yep. Oh, we Damn. have negative widgets too. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow, I didn't they're, know that. They're, they're wait, you know, there really aren't many rules in this game. <laughs> I was gonna say, just wait till Mikey starts uh, voting with Anthony's widgets, even though he's not even here. <laughs> and um, I'm going to David. Give... I will ask you kindly not to give out my secrets. Sorry. I'm gonna give the other the other two to Mikey. And Mikey, Thank what you. about you? Let's see here. You may have given her the name, but I'll give her one because, you know, I mean, the prospect of it happening and being able to sit there and actually say that she had a conversation about running a game in a castle. Just, yeah, so she gets one of mine. Give the I, to yourself, Mikey. Win the game. Don't let Anna win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, I can't. I'm not that person. <laughs> but then, uh, Brian, your, your, your story has pushed me, like, really close to wanting the Harry Potter game. I've already been on the fence about it, so... I'll give you two. David, I wish I could sit there and say, man, I wish I had more free time, but I'm just playing so many games. So <laughs> you, you get two. Um, but you. Anna, but Anna, on top of everything, I will say, you, uh, your, your thing is in the future. You haven't done it yet. So you are going to take a little bit of a ding. I'm going to give you a negative widget as well. Okay. Good. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Yep. Uh, it's a tie. <laughs> what? It's a tie between Anna and David. <laughs> what? Whoa. David, you still have a negative widget. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not I'm not gonna be that guy. I give it to Brian just because. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Hey, uh. on 
on the um on the the voting the way I wrote it down it looks like I'm Brian Wizards Unite the Third. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. Uh, so yeah. um, what are we going right. to talk about today, Mikey? Well, I was hoping I could just sit there, relax, sip a little bit of water, and we all enjoy talking a little bit about Pathfinder Second Edition, Brian. Unfortunately, you don't get to do that because you're hosting, so <laughs> talk about it. I figure, well, <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm I can myself. Sorry. Uh, see why I love this guy. See why I love this guy. But no, yeah, today we're actually going to be talking about the fabulous second edition of Pathfinder. That's right. Uh, some time ago, uh, before the summer, they announced that they were coming out with second edition. And then over the entire summer, it was, or no, last summer, sorry, they did the play test. And now, got to be getting some of this right. Brian hasn't unmuted yet. Battery's dead. I'm here. But, uh, and know, then. You know, I wrote you up an intro. You did? Oh, did. that's what that is. You did. You did. <laughs> we're, we're professionals. <laughs> Well, usually he doesn't write that stuff, but usually the introduction is just like those talks. I've done it for the past six episodes. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Then you must be really mad at me because I never read them. No, the last wow. time I've done them, you've read them. So I didn't think to say anything. Fine. Because Here, I'll read this one and I'll never have this bad again. All right. Introduction. The Pathfinder role-playing game is a tabletop role-playing game in the style of Dungeons & Dragons, in which it, it's evolved from the 3.5 edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Of, uh, all, all of us have played the first edition of Pathfinder role-playing game for some time. We do enjoy the fantasy adventure and character building, but last August, the second edition of the game was released. We are going to discuss about that today. Considering two of you have had some experience to it, and then... Uh, David, you said you've been working on the rules and stuff because there was a game that you might have been put yes, into. Yes, yes. Someone who shall rename originally. Everyone knows we talked idea. about it on the podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that turncoat. I know, right? The hell, bro. Uh, and me, I know I've, I've looked into some of the rules I haven't played yet. I'm kind of using this as my benchmark to see if you guys can just teeter me off the tip of the fence. Because I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to plunge yet. I'm a little stubborn. So Anna, what is your experience with the Pathfinder role-playing game? I start. I played first time at the uh, um, PaisaCon um, this year. They they had a, a oh a, no, not second edition, just the game in general. Oh, the game in general. The first, my first time I played it was actually when we played it nine years ago. I think it was at the store. That was the first time I played a, a, a proper PF1 game. Yep, Pathfinder game. Nice. And then I switched my Greyhawk campaign to Pathfinder as well. So I played in probably about 30 or 40 PF, PFS scenarios over the past decade. And, and then I played, had about three-year campaign. I played about over 50 sessions with it using the PF1 system. Slightly adapted, but the rules were PF1, but I adapted some of the classes just a little bit. And, and no gunslingers and stuff for my own Greyhawk campaign. What about you, David? Well... Uh, we've told the story before here on the podcast, but it's been a while. Uh, the very first game of Pathfinder Society I ever played, my friend Grant and I were at Strategicon, and we're walking around the rooms, and I see you sitting at a table, and oh, hey, Brian, what's up? You know, we'd met a bit. We we weren't uh, we weren't as good of friends at the, at the time, but uh, oh, hey, Brian, what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting ready to GM this game. It's called Pathfinder. It's like, oh, what's that? <laughs> 
And my friend Grant and I both made our Dash One Society characters and played it your Frostburg Captains game. And that was the very first time I'd ever played Pathfinder. And that was Frostburg Captives was the first game I ran. That was the first full society game I that, ever ran. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it um that day I ran um and I want to surprise you with this, but I ran um, We Be Goblins. Mm-hmm. Frost for Captives was an ambush. Ooh. Robin handed it to me and said, hey, That's can you run funny. this? That's and funny. It was the first time I'd ever run a full scenario, and I got ambushed by it. <laughs> and it was also, she gave it to me in the morning, and I had to run it at lunch. So if if that's any an idea of what that game was like. Yeah. <laughs> it was a hot mess because Grant and I, we'd played three, we've been playing 3.5 for years. And I started back in AD&D even earlier than that. And it was like, oh, what's this Pathfinder thing? Oh, let's check it out. And you made it very easy to jump into. You were very patient with all the screw ups we had because we were still thinking it was like 3.5. And while similar, yes, it is a completely different system. <laughs> And yeah, so yeah, that was my that was God ten years ago now. Yeah, I think wow. it was ten years now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I've been playing the game since it came out. Um, did I mean I where I was running a three point five game and I bought the Pathfinder stuff and I forced Pathfinder on my players. I was just like, <laughs> we're doing this now, and yeah. then <laughs> we're doing this now. <laughs> then I went a long time without playing, but I was like getting books and doing some world building, and then when I went and then i got into pathfinder society in um 2011 and just you know ran a lot of games and played a lot of games and um i think my biggest pastime with the game was making characters more than playing and then i would just play or run or make characters it it's been i i love the pathfinder first edition game and i'm really really excited to talk about second edition today uh mikey what's your experience with pathfinder well, I had this friend, he came up and he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm great. How you doing? Oh, I'm cool. This sword class is pretty neat, right? I was like, yeah, this sword class is great. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go play a role, uh, a tabletop role playing game. Well, that's awesome. I've always wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons. Never had a chance. Ah, oh, cool. Well, this is Pathfinder. So you're going to learn that now. Get in my car. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And like, my first game was a Pathfinder Society game. Like, I think it was like a month later, and they're like, "What's your character's name?" Oh, his name's John Books. And somebody, and one of his friends, just looks at me and goes, "This is a fantasy world. And you named him John." <laughs> I can't say anything. My first char- my first character was a dwarven paladin named Eric. <laughs> did, <laughs> did i ever tell you guys about the brian darnell character oh god i'm what? afraid <laughs> this asshole at the gaming shop i ran at named his character brian darnell <laughs> <laughs> and he insisted that when anybody called him they have to say the full name so i'm i'm like another table down running games and i keep hearing brian darnell over and over again i'm like what <laughs> 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 this wow. went on for years. Brian Darnell's a seeker now. Wow. wow. Oh my oh. god. So, you know, I have the privilege of existing in the Pathfinder universe. Ooh, that's funny. <laughs> wow. So, if yeah. you ever want to really just dick with someone at a game, name your character their whole name. <laughs> um, oh my god, I cannot wait to make a Man, I can't wait. I can't wait for the second game now. I've got a great idea. 
<laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna be. Oh my god. Oh, uh, he's gonna be a ranger, and oh man, just be like <laughs> walking up, walking up. Hey, ranger, uh, you want to join our party? Sure. Well, but first you have to tell us your name. Oh, no problem. My name is David Theobald the Third. The reason why he did it is because yeah, he that? had he had a character named Your Turn. Oh. And I told him, wait, hey, can you please change your character name? It's confusing everybody. So wait. he changed it to Brian Darnell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this sounds oh. familiar. I'm, I'm. Has this person been to Strategicon? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes, then has. I, then I, then I know who it is. Okay, we're good. Yeah, you've you've played with your turn before, probably. Yes, yes I have. <laughs> but oh your turn God. was driving me crazy, and the revenge for your turn was the Brian Darnell character. <laughs> Fine. But I can't name my character what I want. Then you're gonna go insane. Um. Uh. Mike, Mikey, what's our next bullet? <laughs> uh, gotta get that. Gotta get that leash taut there, buddy. Oh. Um, did I? Oh, oh yeah. Never mind. Go ahead. No. Oh, um. So we we all have a good experience with with Pathfinder First Edition. You know, I, I it sounds like all of us have been playing uh, nine years or more. Because I believe when I got started, it was no ten years because it was two thousand nine. Ten years. So, but uh, you know, before Second Edition came out, were you happy with First Edition, or was there anything like you like wanted to see it like get changed? Uh, you know, Anna. Like, was there anything about First Edition that you were like playing it with, and you were just like, ah, I'm not too crazy about that? Well, it it inherited some of the flaws from 3.5 that I didn't like, and and one is that the 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 main gripe is that the everything inflates like armor class and to hit just inflates so so a first level character can't even hit or do damage to someone 10th level or, or higher so to speak so so it's kind of it makes it goes crazy and and the numbers just go off the rails when when you do reach the high level play and they hadn't fixed that and and that was one of my my problems i i had some work around house rules to fix that with that that kind of took care of some of the problems and and so, so that was my only only real caveat with it otherwise i really liked pathfinder it was a logical kind of patched up better version of 3.5 that i've played for years too so so for me it was a natural kind of just merged or, or evolve into it so to speak but otherwise i think it's a it was a a, a stable system that kind of promotes the way I like to play the game. I I agree. It was a very so my uh my my own thoughts. I like I said I started in 80 and got into 35 and sadly 35 got to the point of book bloat was so bad. <laughs> yep. That it's just, oh, and sadly first edition has gotten to that point and I'm kind of over it. But when it first started, the fact that there wasn't a lot there wasn't just a a uh overwhelming amount of material that you could choose from when i first started there were like five books <laughs> yeah and that was great because i love those kind of games that's the reason i love society play so much is everyone was on an even footing there was no you know there was no favoritism there's no one one of my chief complaints against game against games with other people in them especially like card games and things is how do you counteract the pay to win thing i don't have a lot of money. I can. I could never be that guy that paid an obscene amount of money to have the best thing, and it gets frustrating 
when you get when you come up against those people because there's nothing you can do about it. And that it, the book bloat, in my opinion, is kind of the same way. Nowadays, you get people that have these characters at level one with obscene amounts of AC or obscene amounts to hit. And it's like, well, how did you do that? Oh, well, I use these extremely esoteric things from these books you've never heard of. Yeah. And it, trying to GM a lot of first uh, first edition characters at the society play even now is getting to the point of where it's like, well, I've never even heard of that. What does that do? <laughs> and it, it, it's that's that's my chief complaint with the system at this point. Oh, it's just, I, there's just way too much. I agree. I swear, at a modern PFS game for first edition, you could make shit up <laughs> because it was so. There's so many I'm, things um, no one's ever heard of that you could walk in and do. I do my yeah, thing that does this, and if it I'm, makes sense, no one's going to question it. I'm not going to lie. I've I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but you know sometimes you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> That's part of the game, though. Is if the GM doesn't call you on it, hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the Munchkin version of Pathfinder, where if you don't get yeah. caught, it's not cheating. <laughs> exactly. No, no, I, I, and I don't. I've done that once, I think, and it was for something that I thought I could do. That turns out I couldn't. I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the opinion of if you're gonna cheat, why bother to play? <laughs> I, um, I, I love it when people come up with creative things, and I think one of the things that happens with a Pathfinder role playing game is when you have so many feet options. If you don't have a feat for it, you end up not being able to do anything. And I think that was a problem that needed to be fixed in the game. Um, there was a there was a thing it would be like they come out with a feat that lets you um, swing on a chandelier. And it's like, oh, well, you can't do that anymore if you don't have that feat. <laughs> and it's like I didn't like that. I didn't like how when you end up with so many options, it starts stifling creative action where it's like. I want to be able to describe that I try to do something. And it's like, oh, well, there's a feat to do that, so you can't do it unless you have that feat. Um, that's what happens when you end up with too many rules. Um, the other thing is I think the stealth rules were useless in first edition. Um, most stealth rules were house-ruled by DM, but the stealth rules as written in the game, the second you are in sight, they see you, and it doesn't matter anymore. Um I, I think that's the worst part about them. Um, the um, the grapple rules were way too complicated. Um, I think they were great, but unfortunately, most people didn't understand them. Um, it ended up, when I played a grappler in the game, it ended up ruining my fun because I understood the grapple rules pretty yeah. well. But every time I played in a game with that character, someone would argue with me. Yeah, the grapple rules were amazing as far as compared to the grapple rules of 3-5, which were just... Yeah. A shit show. <laughs> yeah, but the grapple rules have been the problem since AD&D. Before yes. it, in D&D, I don't think they had grapple rules. And in AD&D, oh, when yeah. they introduced them, they were terrible. And they, they had a special rule system that no other rules. And then 3.5 kind of tried to make it better, but it didn't really solve it in reality. So, yeah. I so, remember the picture next to uh, the grapple rules in AD&D. And it was like a picture of Greco-Roman wrestling. It was, yeah. yeah yes. It, um. Mikey, um, anything that you wanted to see changed in first edition? For me, the the combat maneuvers always seemed a little bit more complicated to me. And those, I, I never fully like. I never utilize them because they they actually get really confused when I try and use them. When you try and use a, a full combat maneuver, for, so maybe seeing that get a little reworked would probably be make me a little happier, honestly. 
So as far as um, second edition, I'm just going to take control here um, because I this I think one I, I was actually going to ask if you could actually tell us a little bit of the rules change for Pathfinder Second Edition. Um, the biggest system change, and it's the cornerstone of the entire game, is it's a three action system. In Pathfinder First Edition, each round of combat you had a move action and a standard action. It was and then there were other different categories of action. In Pathfinder 2nd Edition, everything is one to three actions, and you have three actions per round. So I, I'm prone, I stand up, that's one action. I move my speed, that's one action. I attack, that's one action. I cast a spell, that can be one to three actions depending on the spell. Most spells are two actions. Um, I um, draw my weapon. That's one action. The only things that don't use actions are release, which is dropping a weapon, and then a few special things you can get at higher levels. But other than that, anything you do will be one action, and you have three per round. Yeah, I also think that's brilliant. It's it makes things like haste make more sense because now haste is you get another action. action. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, the original game having the standard uh, um, move, move standard swift was great. But the problem is, is again, my chief complaint: book bloat. You start getting the thing of where so much stuff changes how those works. It's it gets so complicated so needlessly. <laughs> Everyone gets one reaction per round, and that's an action they can use off their turn. Each reaction has a special trigger associated with it. So, for example, fighters um, get an ability called shield block. And if they take an action on their turn to raise their shield, that's another thing. Raising a shield is an action. You don't get your AC bonus for the round unless you take an action to raise your shield. Um, fighters take an action to raise their shield. On their, ter- um, on their turn, if somebody attacks, off their turn if someone attacks them they can take a reaction to do a shield block and then the shield will take some of the damage um another big change is the attack of opportunity system is gone attack of opportunity is now a class feat yeah that's gonna, that's gonna take some getting used to um one thing i really like about that is um most things don't have attack of opportunity unless they're obviously a fighter so, for example, the fighter class has attack of opportunity. They get they get a reaction that if somebody takes a certain kind of action next to them, they can make one attack of opportunity. And then there's things they can do to adjust that over time. Like I think higher level fighters can get two attacks. Um, when you look at the monsters, because, um, and I'll talk about monsters in a little bit, but when you look at the monsters, the fighter-like monsters, like hobgoblins and stuff, they have attack of opportunity, but... Attack of opportunity isn't really common. What you see is some of these monsters have different reactions. Like, um, I saw a monster that when you attack it, it can do a reaction where it drops slime all over the ground and you might trip. Um, There's another monster that when you attack it, um, when you do something next to it, like when you withdraw or something next to it, it can grab you and throw you. (laughs) Um, So... It ends up creating a system where you can have monsters that have other ways of reacting when you do things around them. Um, And all the things that trigger the reactions are different. So knowledge about the monsters is really important because it's not like Attack of Opportunity where you know exactly what you have to do to trigger it. 
with a monster, it might be if you attack them, they get a reaction. Or it could be if you um, draw an item, they get a reaction. Or it could be um, you use all the actions in the game have lists of traits associated with them. So if you... Um, so a, a trigger might be based on the trait of the action. Like some things have the concentrate trait, some things have the attack trait. Um, the trait system helps them build a very modular system of this ability works with these traits and you can interact with each, each ability. It's, it's, it, I, I think it's brilliantly designed, um, but it's all based on the three action economy. Any, any, any reactions or questions before I move on to another part of the game? I don't want to be the only one talking. No, I think that that's 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 a very good summary of it, and I totally agree. I think it's, it's a great. Yeah. It worked very well. <laughs> yeah, I like it so far. Um, yeah, the um, character building is now modular. They they came up with a core way of building your character where. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm. I'm this I, I find interesting. I've yeah. only built I've only built one character with it so far, and it's it's interesting. I'm not. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be ways for people to obscenely break it very quickly. But for right now, it's not too bad. I, I, it's an interesting concept, and it's, it's just a, it's a new way of doing it. It's taking some getting used to. Yeah, it, that... most things into feats. It's basically the this the class itself is the only thing that is not is still there, so to speak. Most everything else is is feat based. Yeah, everything is based on feats. You you pick an ancestry, a background, a class, um, and what those choices do is help you decide your ability scores i i like that i like how your race gives you bonuses to your ability scores your class gives you bonuses to your ability scores and your background gives you bonuses to your ability scores and that picks your scores for the game mm -hmm. you're you're not going through some kind of point system you're using a system that makes sense for character building to build your character um, it reminds me of like the Cortex system where you're actually like going through your character's background and building your skills that way. Yeah, I like the Cortex system. That was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, it, it, I, I like it a lot. I, I um, One thing I do want to point out, uh, David, is I was reading the Pathfinder Society 2nd Edition guide yesterday. Mm -hmm. They added the optional rule that you can take two flaws to give yourself a free boost. Ooh, I so, like that. So you can dump in second edition it's just it's a lot harder of a dump um the ability score system is more balanced when it comes to first edition because in first edition you could tank your scores and crank up your scores using point buy or you could um you could die roll um in the core rule book there are rules for ignoring the normal way of doing ability scores and doing die rolls instead there are no point by rules, but there will be point by rules in the game mastery guide that comes out in January. Um, I, I think building everything modular makes a lot more sense. But one thing I do want to point out that's kind of a minor change. Um, they don't use the word race anymore. Um, they're called ancestries now, and they made that yep. specifically because race is sort of a pop problematic word. What do you guys think of that? I think it's good. I think it's it's with the times, and I think it's good. And it it also opens up more possibilities, kind of thing. Ancestry, you, meaning you can be anything. You can have monstrous characters and all that stuff. So I I think it's I think it's good, and it also makes the ABC acronym kind of make sense. Oh yeah, yeah. Ancestry, Ancestry background, background class. class. Yeah. I never thought of that, and it, it's easier to tell people now. 
Yeah. Yep. Let's get to those ABCs there, people. Yep. Yeah, to make it clear, you don't have to do that in order. You can, you can, because some of the stuff require things from other places. Um, yeah, you do. It's A, B, C. You don't you have to change do them the in alphabet, order. Brian. No, no, it's important that you don't necessarily do them in order because, like, there's human abilities that have prerequisites for things for class. Like, humans can get an extra spell if they're a spellcaster. So, if you haven't picked your class yet, <laughs> you, you don't necessarily do them in order, Mikey. So, you know what? Shut the fuck up, okay? Just back off. <laughs> um i um anna um is there anything else about the game that really stands out to you as a as a major change Uh, i think the 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 way that you handle most um modifiers and stuff that they have the train untrained trained expert master and legendary for almost everything skills and 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 to hit things and and resolve almost all the mechanics in the game are based around that that means that the you only need to learn that there's not a myriad of modifiers for everything it's that these modifiers and they apply to basically everything one of the things i wanted to tell you is the um proficiency system scales as you go up in level so you have the same problem in second edition that you had in the older versions in that a lower level character not won't necessarily be able to hit a very high level character because yep. it scales. Um, but in the game mastery guide in January, they're releasing rules yep. for using the proficiencies without level scaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because level scaling and 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 that you increase your expertise. To me, that's just having two systems in parallel for solving the same thing. So 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 that's why I I will probably dive into the thing of of skipping level that way and just what, go with the increase of of the um, of you become better at what doing by acquiring expertise. I think the way they'd have to do it is you got you you got more proficiencies because if you take level out of the picture with the current progression of skills, the skills you don't improve are going to be useless at higher levels. Yep. Um, unless you use a, you know what, it probably would work if they used a different DC table because it, the current DC table, um, is scaled very high. Um, one thing I do want to point out is, um, so Pathfinder uses a system of difficulty classes. Um, when you attempt something, there's a difficulty class and usually the GM would decide what that was based on difficulty and if they're looking through their book the most things have set dcs in pathfinder second edition um it's 100 percent up to the gm what the difficulty class of something is and there is a guideline table that shows what dcs should be at certain level of play but it's still 100 percent up to the gm and that's one of the things i like to i like about second edition is they left the game very flexible for Game Master. Um, monster creation, um, which the, the exact rules aren't out for yet, but monsters aren't created using the character creation rules. What do you about, think about that, David? It's, it's interesting. I'm, I haven't looked at it too much myself. Like I said, I was more focused on creating a character. There, there are no monster creation rules yet. They're not, out, they're not coming out yet, but um, I love the idea of it because you can bang out monsters very quickly with the character create when you're using character creation rules i found there were a lot of things that was like okay i can skip this okay i can skip this okay i can skip this let's just make this monster um and that applies to npcs too so um 
I was watching a preview for the Game Mastery Guide, and um, the NPC character creation system has made NPCs that can actually interact with your characters at higher levels. Um, there, there was like a cook that um, instead of building some kind of expert class and building the cook around it, the cook is its own thing with like its special ability to throw ingredients at you. And one of the things they said was NPCs will have two different ratings for encounters. They'll have one that involves just fighting it, which you won't get that much experience. Mm -hmm. And then they'll have a level of how good they are at their profession, which if you beat them in some kind of competition or something involving their profession, that's when you earn the XP. So like if you if you go up against a lawyer you can actually defeat them in court and get the XP for defeating them. Nice. Or if you're going against a baker, you can have a bake-off. <laughs> it, it, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It's yeah. really neat. It's neat yep. that they figured out a way to make encounters rewarding by changing the way characters are done. Um, one thing I do want to point out is the lawyer NPC has an ability called throw the book at you where they throw the book at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. What? Really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they got funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I like that. Go, going back to skills for a little bit, one thing that I love that they introduced is they have critical success and critical failure, Ooh, as yes. well as success and failure. Oh, which I that's going to make awesome. that's going to be so yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. I have seen it in my home game already. Um, somebody got a critical success on a day job check, <laughs> and it was the bard. Figures. Um, and the so critical successes, the way they work is you get a critical success by rolling a 20 as normal, or you beat the difficulty class of the skill or attack roll or whatever it is by 10. Yep. Um, this applies to spells. Um, and if you, um, if you cast like fireball on someone and they fail the DC of the spell by um, 10, that's a critical success and you deal double damage. Yep. It's wow. it's so great that yeah, there are. And it, it sounds a lot yeah. more cinematic. It yeah. really is. Yeah, um, and it also works on on it, it, normal critical hits with weapons in melee works the same way. I had a bear do a critical hit on a first level character. She didn't oh. die though. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It it's it's a phenomenal game. The um the big change um I have found really helps the cinematics of the game is the death and dying system um dying is much more forgiving in second edition than it was in first um when you're dropped unconscious you go to zero hit points there are no negatives if you take double your your max hit points you're instantly dead um but if you didn't you go to zero hit point you then get the dying one condition if you are healed or stabilized you get the wounded one condition. Ooh, interesting. If you um, if you then get dropped unconscious again from lethal damage, you then add the wounded condition that you have to your dying condition. So if you get dropped again, you would be now dying too. If nobody heals you before your next turn, you make a flat recovery check. You roll, and if you roll higher than 15, you recover. There's no constitution bonus. It's just a d20, and you have to roll over 15 to recover. 
If you fail that oh. check, you drop down one more step and die. If you reach dying four, you're dead. Yeah. If you have the die hard fate, you die at dying five. Interesting. Yes. And there are other conditions that interact with the dying. There's ones like there's there's this condition called doomed that increases your dying level. Um, If you're ever doomed four or doomed five, if you have the diehard fate, you're dead. But like if I have if I'm doomed two and I get dropped, I immediately go to dying three. Yeah. Um, That and that's like something a lich can do to you. They can doom you, so eventually oh. you you die easier and easier and easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, um. I uh, we had someone drop them when I was running the game, and they were like, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Don't worry, you're okay. You're not." This person's never played the game before, and they're used to video games where you have lives, and they were terrified their character was going to die on the first time they play it. And I'm like, "It's okay. You're just unconscious. There's a healer in the group. You're going to be fine." <laughs> yeah. The, the um. I I find. In the game I played at PaizoCon, it was us versus something that was like 18th level. <laughs> we wow. Had no, yeah, it was Cosmo, Cosmo mm-hmm. Isley. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah, still. Clown Holy crap. Um, so um, I got dropped four, like five times in that. I think someone treated my wound to get my wound better, and it was like, I started to, the first time I got dropped. I felt like I do when I get dropped in first edition, like, oh, it's, it's going to be bad. And then it's like the second time I'm like, oh, wow, this dying system makes sense. I might actually be able to escape this. <laughs> I, I just um, it it's the kind of system in a game that I never realized that didn't had problems that they improved. I like little changes like that where it's yeah. like, yeah, something that just you didn't know needed to be fixed. Um I do want to point out the most important change in the game. Goblins are a core class, a core ancestry now. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I haven't seen anyone play one yet. I kind of was expecting to see someone play a goblin at the table, but no. But um, they are a race that gets a boost to charisma. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, their um, charisma and dex with their flaw is in wisdom. Ah, okay. Yeah, they don't make very good clerics. Oh, anybody can play anything. I know. I was. Thinking yeah. The um, yeah. uh, all the flaw does is make it so you can't play a character with a starting eighteen in that score. You can get as high as sixteen, but you couldn't get an eighteen in that score. So um, even with the flaws, anybody can play anything. I I we had this discussion at the table. It was like I can't optimize. But this this makes a crappy character, and it's like no 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 no. Anybody can play anything. You really it, you you just can't max out to 18 and that plus one isn't going to really hurt you. Yeah, well, that's, that's the only thing I kind of um, think is, is kind of, to me, a, a downside in the Pathfinder community. Not so much with the rules themselves, but with the Pathfinder community. It's so focused on character builds that it's getting crazy, so to speak. It's it's kind of, to me, that's that's kind of sidestepping the little bit of the, to me, that's not the core of the game. But for a lot of Pathfinder players, that's it, so to speak. You build characters and characters and characters in order to find the best build. I it kind of ruined my gameplay in first edition, because yeah. when I was at, I, I've talked to people about, I've I, when I was at Pesicon this time, people kept on talking about the best way to get your DPS high in Pathfinder. Yeah. And I'm like, what? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that that ruined. It. So, so I love the the system, but the way that it's a lot of it's often played in in PFS. But I I, I think that organized play emphasize on the rules and stuff like that. So so it comes with the territory. And the good thing with organized play in PFS is that you get a good sense and grip of the game and how it's run. And that way, it's fantastic. Um. I um, want to open up the discussion to things that can we would like to see added to second edition, things from first edition or things that never got added to first edition that you would like to see in second. So, um, Anna, what would you like to see in the game that you haven't seen in it yet? I would like to see the, uh, the um, ultimate campaign translated for for pf2 the, I, actually thankfully i think that most of the, the the campaign stuff that was in in ultimate campaign and also in the game master guide is actually applicable straight into pf2 like how settlement works and 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 kingdom rules and, and stuff like that I, I think you can basically just tweak them a little bit but that's what i want to see i want to see them integrated into pf2 because for my type of, of sandboxy play, that will be fantastic. Okay, yeah. That, I, and I think we're going to see a lot of that in the Game Mastery Guide. Yep. Uh, David, what about you? Honestly, I'm not familiar enough with the system to really make the call. Like, I mean, I would love... I don't know what they've got planned in the future to bring out anyways, but, I mean, I would love... Well, first off, I think they need to gunsling. Gunslinger is one of my favorite <laughs> classes, but that's just me. <laughs> I think that we will have it. But I'm really, really hoping that they make Gunslinger one of the paths of the swashbuckler rather than having two different classes. Agreed. I think that would be cool. Yeah, just a different yeah. a different path for it. Jason Boldman commented that on an interview that I saw a couple of days ago. And he said that they're going to, to introduce the Gunslinger. They haven't de decided exactly when and how. And he said that their idea is to make it an archetype so anyone can use guns. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that oh, was one oh, way of doing it. So, yeah, so, so they, were, they, were, they were not sure. They were looking to different. So they haven't made a decision on how to implement it but one way new way is that archetypes play a more core role in 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 the rule system now so so that's one way of doing it so so yeah so he he was and and there's a bunch of prestige classes and stuff like that are just archetypes now and multi-classing too so it's it's kind of interesting that way oh was that the game gorgon interview uh yeah i think so yeah yeah I, yep. I watched I watched that, yep. but I, I you know, I don't sit and watch the whole thing. I skip around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I for me, I would like to see I, I wish we would have gotten a complete game right away. Uh, that not having all those rules for making making NPCs and monsters and um, ha and hazards hurts yep. gameplay for me. Yeah. Not too. being able to make an NPC is just like ridiculous. And it, it um. Because I'm not when I make a character using the MP, using the character creation rules, I don't know how balanced it is versus the monsters. So I've been doing a lot of filing the serial numbers off of encounters and adventures and the bestiary just to do stuff and reading a lot of posts about reverse engineering the monster creation rules. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um as far as first edition rules that have not been announced yet that I would like to see in the game are the kineticist. I thought the kineticist was one of the best classes of first edition. Um, it was a, the most unique class that Paizo made. And I liked being able to play in a firebender in my game. So um, 
I want them back. I don't care about the rest of psychic magic, but I want kineticism. Um, Mikey? I want to see gunslingers come back. I knew that's all you were going to say. <laughs> I do. I do. I do like the class. I think they're, I think they're fun. Um, but I like if, if what Anna says, they're going to be an archetype or they're going to be set up to where they can be. Basically anybody can do it. That to me, that would be really well for the character. Um, uh, you were saying, Brian, you know, maybe make it a, a path for the swashbuckler. That would be pretty fun. Actually. I thought that would be cool. Yeah, um, I think that would work out really well. Um, just gonna see a lot of Jack Sparrow builds. Yeah, like like you don't already. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're gonna buckle some swash, you might as well do it Jack Sparrow style. I don't know. When I play swashbucklers, I try. I kind of think of them as um, Flint, Scarlet, or D'Artagnan. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I don't think of them like or so or um, lie, the Dread, Pir- like- Dread Pirate Robert Robert mm, or Negro. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. I half expected you to be like, yeah, no, nah, not Jack Sparrow. I'm, I'm more of a Barbosa guy. <laughs> okay, Commodore. I would totally do that. That would be fun. Play Barbosa at Pathfinder table. Oh my god, me Hector Barbosa. Oh my gosh. You bring a bag of apples with you to every table. I was just gonna <laughs> say that. <laughs> just start looking at everybody, being like, being like, ah, don't worry, I got a whole bushel down here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I um, but this I is... think yeah, I think that is time, Mikey. So I'm gonna hand you back the reins, and why don't you um wrap us up? You know, we can play a game. We have a little time to play a game if you want, or we can um just wrap up and get moving on to our bonus episode for Patreon. Well, I I'm curious uh what kind of people things people have going on right now. Besides, you know, maybe sitting on top of a D and D and D game, Pathfinder game, uh, playing as playing wizards. What? Uh, oh, uh, I will say, I actually have LA Comic Con coming up in two weeks. Ooh. Oh, you're actually going wow. to that? Yeah. Um, cool. There was a there's a, uh, a, a VI, not a VIP uh, an early bird special that I, I jumped on like at the beginning of the summer. And it was uh, get all three days for sixty eight bucks. That's not bad. So I got that, and then a friend hooked me up with her uh, her Bavoy discount program, and I got a really good hotel across the street from the venue. Oh, very nice. You know, I went to the first one back when it was uh, Kamikaze. Uh, yeah, when it was Kamikaze. It's supposed to be really good. Like, uh, there's going to be a lot there. There's uh, supposed to be a big surprise presentation for Zombieland Two on the main stage this year. It's turned into the best um, convention to meet YouTubers. That's what I've heard. Ah. That's what I heard. So I'm excited to check it out. I decided that I'm going to go stand in an autograph line, and I'm going to get Will Friedle's autograph. Oh, nice. I don't know who that is. What? It's Eric Matthews, man. Terry McGinnis. lion <laughs> Several other DC characters in video games and <laughs> animated movies. That's yeah, beyond my pay grade. Yep. Still don't know who that is. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm with, Dude, I'm with did you, you watch Batman Beyond? Mikey, yeah. I, I'm with you, bro. Solidarity. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> did you watch Batman Beyond? Yes, but I don't know the voice actors in it. He's Terry McGinnis. I mean, I know who Kevin Conroy is, but I don't know who that is. Well, if you didn't know who Kevin Conroy is, uh, friendship over. But <laughs> Do you know Kevin Conroy is going to play Batman on TV? Yes, I'm so excited. In live action. <laughs> they showed a picture of uh, Brandon Roth in uh, The Kingdom Come. Uh, I saw that. I saw oh, that. Oh man, I'm so excited for this. Oh, this is gonna be great. Um, and, uh, they brought back the girl from Birds of Prey to be Huntress. 
I had a very disappointing nerdy thing happen to me. And I know people oh. are going to balk at me for this. So I have been right. watching Attack on Titan for the first time. And oh, not a bad show. I really like it. When I watch it. anime, I like to watch it dubbed. I don't have anything against subtitles, but I... Dubbing is watching, getting so much better. But when watching anime, I like to lose focus. I, I don't want to have to really, really focus and pay attention. Um, yeah. So um, I made it to the third to last episode of... Attack on Titan Season 3, and they uh, only have subs, and I was so pissed. <laughs> you can watch it dubbed on Funimation, but you have to pay for a separate subscription for that. And I only have Fubo, so... Uh, yeah. So, yes. Very, very uh, frustrating. Ah, uh, the, uh, the modern world, and it's... Um, Anna, do you have anything to promote? Well, I can mention that I'm working on to, to if there are any of my Greyhawk fans that, that are listening to this I'm working on the 576 map the good classic version of, of Greyhawk that is the that everybody have been nagging me for a decade now to do and that's underway and my patrons are starting to get the, the, the first uh, previews and drafts and stuff of it so that's well underway. That's cool that you're doing that both is... versions of the campaign yep. Yeah that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, there's the standard old version for people who just want to start where Greyhawk began, so to speak. So this oh, will be cool. the version of it. Yep. So that's underway. And and that is, yeah, that's the main thing going on with my patrons. Then I'm working on a future Kobo Press project that I can't talk about yet. That's the other big thing that I'm, I'm working <laughs> on at the moment. I love it when you're working on future projects that you can't talk about it. It makes yep. good radio. Yeah, yes, yep, it yes, makes me but, so excited. Yeah, there will be a Kickstarter that I think will come out next year, but I don't think it's even determined exactly when even to be a Kickstarter, but it will be probably next year, I guess. Cool. Well, yep. we're looking forward to it. If it, if you're starting it this early, it must be something really big. So. Oh, I've been working on it for a year now. Oh, wow. wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been – it's been kind of – I worked on it for like 50% of the time rather than working six months 100% of the time. So, yep. Fantastic. Yep. That's awesome. Oh, Thank you. Brian. Yes, you side you sidetracked me. The LA Comic Con thing wasn't my only like. The, there was one other little tidbit to that. I'm going to do my first cosplay uh, when I go to LA Comic Con. Oh, yeah, man. I knew that, and I wanted to cut you off because I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm sick of it. Oh, I haven't heard about it. So <laughs> wow, Brian. I, wow. I'm only Fuck joking. I talk about your job with the hut costume. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's Slave Leia. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I dare you <laughs> <laughs> just wrong. i dare you no i'm actually gonna do it but it, you're you're on the right track i'm i'm doing a i'm gonna do a jedi costume oh. i got my uh i went to disney and in their new star wars land they actually have a shop where you can buy jedi tunics and robes so i bought the robe and i'm building the rest of the costume myself and i'm gonna be jedi number one on saturday at the con that yeah it's jedi awesome. number one scene four <laughs> Nice, aka generic Jedi. <laughs> so, but that's what we're. That's what I'm doing. So there, David. Did they talk to you at all? What do I you mean, do? I I don't really have much planned going on. Um, HMGS, the Historical Miniatures Gaming Society, is having a small convention in a couple weeks in Fullerton called Mini Wars. I'm going to be there all weekend uh, pushing troops, and that's going to be fun. Uh, that's really all I've got looking forward to going on here in the near future. 
Yeah, I have one more thing that I should plug. That I've, uh, I'm going to Game Hole Con in in uh, that is in Madison, Wisconsin, by at ha- Halloween. And oh, I'm cool! Going, yeah, and I'm game going to have hole? game. It's called Game Hole Con. Yes, like in a hole in the ground. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, Game Hole. That's funny. Yep. Yep. That's funny. Yep. You so shut it, your game hole. Yep. I was actually invited there as a guest of honor. So, so oh, that's amazing. A special, a special guest. So, yes. And I'm going to have a seminar together with Alyssa Faden. She is one of the the top most cartographers in the business. So, uh, Alyssa and me are going to have a, a seminar and we're going to talk about stuff and so on. So, that that will be a lot of fun. That's awesome. They're going to have a map off. Yeah. Mm, oh. Yep. yep. <laughs> a map gas. Yep. <laughs> Ooh. That's fantastic. I have um, our third Pathfinder 2nd Edition game is coming up that I'm GMing. Um, it's been it's been tough because it's been a very long time since I've run a game for people with no RPG experience. So it's like I'm relearning how to teach people how to play. And I'm, I'm remembering my strengths. I'm remembering that I hate p- helping people make characters. <laughs> when I don't know if you ever noticed, um, David, but when I was coordinating, when anyone ever asked for help making characters, I delegated to someone else. No, I w- I'm well aware of that. Grant was usually the one that you would go, hey, Grant, help him out. <laughs> yeah, I hate making characters. I hate helping other people make characters. I hate teaching people the character create system. Oh I, gosh, you must really love me then. It's not <laughs> you. Any, you put it, up with so many stupid questions from me when I was making John and Grimmar. Like you, you were so nice. But then again, you had Hero Lab right. In front yeah, of you. yeah. That that's what it's very clear is. I don't like helping people make pen and paper characters. I like. I don't mind the 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 game the the like Hero Lab. The problem is is when you teach someone how to make a character with Hero Lab, then they don't know how to make a character. Oh. Yeah. Because there's Don't worry, in the recent years I have reverse engineered those guys. Yeah, the um Pathfinder 2nd edition, I've done both and they're pretty transferable, but you still don't learn the behind the scenes if you make a character with Hero Lab and you have to trust the math. I've found mistakes. I've reported a lot of bugs, but um, to give to give um, Lone Wolf Labs some credit, they have corrected most of the things I've reported almost immediately. Oh, that's cool. really that's awesome. Yeah. There have been a few things that they're like, this will be in our re- next release, but they're updating the game like they're updating the system like daily because it's cloud based. So it's like you'll go to open it and it'll go updating and then it'll be it'll work. And it, it, it's not like big giant downloads like the old Hero Lab. Um, I what? they took the only thing about the online Hero Lab, and Anna, I'm telling you this because I know you work very closely with <laughs> Lone Wolf Laboratory. Yeah, I, I helped them out on on, on cons for the past five years. Yep. Um, the Hero Lab online has very little customization features, and None. the customization features that are there aren't very. Yep. And I asked them about that, and they don't know when they're going to introduce them. And and that to me has been that I have to sadly say that I don't haven't used the Hero Lab online. I have a subscription, but I haven't used it. So 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 more. Than, I don't use it for, in my games, and yep. none of my players use it because yep. I want to be able to invent a magical item on the spot and just say you yep. have this without yep. them having to go. How do I add this in Hero Lab? 
Yeah, for, for me, Hero Lab Classic, that was the key, the key feature that I loved about using Hero Lab. And, and now it's not in Hero Lab Online, and that kind of defeats the purpose for me. And um, Hero Lab Online for Starfinder, they still haven't added Starships yet. Yep. So, They're sorry, behind. They're yeah. lagging behind, unfortunately. And and Realmworks, they're they're kind of not abandoning it, but they are kind of put the the product development on hold so they can get Hero Lab or Hero Lab Online done. And and now Hero Lab Classic is kind of being maintained, but and and but not developed any further. And and to me, that's that's really sad because the two tools that I've loved and and used they are not being worked on anymore. So so I have to look for other tools to to use for my games. Yeah. So um, I think that. I think that ends us. That gives that that's timed out. I think this was a good episode. Uh, Mikey, want yeah, to wrap us up? Yeah, this was a really good episode. I enjoyed. I enjoyed this. Um, you guys teetered me on the fence. I'm I'm leaning a little bit more towards uh, making making some second E stuff for Pathfinder. Now, listen, uh, we, we I I just want to say we had a discussion about it. We didn't give a full review of the game. There's a yeah. lot more to Pathfinder Second Edition. We, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Th- this was just for for RPG it. players. In Griping. talking about a product. Yeah, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're not listening to it for, for a full comprehensive review. You know, we've never yeah. done that before. Um, I mean, we yeah, could, but yeah. No, yeah. A... If you'd like to hear a full comprehensive review, right? No, I'm just saying. Now, if you would like to hear a full comprehensive review, go to Game Gorgon on YouTube. They they have a very exactly. good one. They just they did a whole bunch of stuff on class building. They they have a a live play game called Court of Corvids, and they just did a full like long video review of the whole thing. And they've interviewed the developers and designers of the games on their on their podcast. Um, another good place for anything second edition is the No Direction podcast. Yes, so, yeah, they did also did they, they reviewed all the books, including the Omen's Guide, the the campaign guide as well. Yeah, if you want to hear if you want to hear some nerds discussing the things they get excited about, listen to us. If you want actual content, listen to them. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. If and you want to hear Mikey, biased, shut polluted reviews. <laughs> so, um, Mikey, I, I I I said wrap us up. Why didn't you? Because well, you jumped in. That's there. no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you told me to shut the hell. But no, this is uh, this has been a, this has been fun. So, but yeah, you know, I've been your host, Special Mikey. Along with me was. Super vegan, Brian. Goodbye, everybody. David. Uh, goodbye, nurse. The third. And, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the greatest fantasy photographers of all time, Anna Meyer. Yeah, thanks you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Uh, it's, it's always, always, it's always a pleasure. To, it's always a pleasure. It's been, uh, it was a lot of fun. And this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. And as always, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome. Uh, Mikey, say goodbye. Brian, cut him off. Bye.